Hey guys, and welcome to the Footy Fans Podcast, two-man edition with Andrew and Santo. Joe is a little under the weather, so we're mm-hmm. going to take over the reins and try and fill in for him. Santo, how's it going today? Pretty good. Uh, we're doing Zoom edition right here to protect from any sickness. Uh, Stumpy has COVID, so we're trying to protect from him. And then if we have it, we're trying to protect from you. So appreciate it. Yeah, just, uh, you know, still trying to be as cautious as we can. Um, it, it's honestly like we talked about, we, me and Joe talked about this at length where, you know, when we were in COVID, it was like, that was just everyone's life is COVID. And then, you know, we've slowly, you know, gotten to where like, we're basically out of it, but you know, quarantine is still a thing. Yeah. And we've said how it's just going to be one of those things that's in the background. It's going to be one of those, um, sicknesses that you get it, you know, thankfully when you get it now for, I think most people now it's just pretty mild. Um, but you still have to quarantine. So it's just in the background. You just hope you don't get it. If you just like have stuff coming up, they don't want to quarantine from. I'm just waiting for that point where it just becomes another, another cold where it's like, yeah, yeah. you can still kind of go and do things. Maybe you shouldn't see people or obviously cough on somebody if you're sick. Yeah. But like just when you, when people can finally say, okay, they have COVID, but it's not like a quarantinable yeah. scenario. Then I'll finally be like, okay, like we're good now. Like, let's just get back to life. I know everyone wants to do that. It's been three years now going on three years yeah so probably ways away um unfortunately but the footy goes on footy goes and there's on. always there's always footy to talk about and yeah before we get to you know the fixtures and the standings and what happened during last premier league week the big allegations that just came up from manchester city or of manchester city yeah. huge news yeah 105 charges put forth against them from the fa from investigation coming from 2019 until 2018 season, I oh, sorry, 2009, 2018 season, I believe. So about a nine-year period, mm-hmm. they were being investigated by, you know, the FA for certain things. Which I mean, every team does, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not just they're picking on Man City. It's every club gets audited, every club gets looked at by the FA, making sure that they're crossing the T's, dotting the I's. And when a club like Man City, you know, they win nine Premier League championships in that time. Sorry, six Premier League championships in that time period when you know, Sheikh Mansour and the whole Saudi group kind of took over. Yeah. Maybe they're a little under a microscope more than other clubs. Maybe. And over this nine-year period, they put this together this whole entire portfolio against Man City. It dropped now, which I don't understand the timing now of yeah. how it just kind of came out, you know, when they're in the middle of a title hunt. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Champions League coming up and all those things and implications that come from Champions League. But it comes out now, and people are looking around saying, what's going to happen? Like what? What are the penalties? Are they are they guilty? Are they not guilty? Of course, they're going to appeal, and they come out and said, you know, from the front foot, we're denying everything. Yeah, like they got ahead of it and said, like this is not true, or these allegations are not correct. We have the proof, and they're going to get their paperwork all sorted, which I'm sure they already have done. Yeah, and uh, Pep's come out and said, like, no, nah, this is crazy, and it also is slightly before his time with the Mancini days, and I'll get into that, yeah, um, in, in a little bit, but just initial reaction, like. Coming from a person who works in a business kind of field and like can you know know the background of things and businesses mm. being looked at, is this common practice you think to get looked at like this and for these things to kind of come out? Yeah, I think for like especially you know you're looking at a company the size of Etihad, um, you're always kind of being looked at to see if you're doing everything. the The issue I've kind of seen is that you know for example the the Mancini thing where he got paid for four days work from a separate company it's a super gray area because there's some things you can validate and some you can't, you know, it was just in Canada. I think a few years ago, they made the rule that you can't have a, a baby be a, um, 
be a stakeholder in a corporation because what people are doing, they open up a corporation, they have their entire family as employees of the corporation and then pay out to their family. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, if I, if I own a corp, I have a wife and two kids. Um, I have to pay myself a salary to support my family. But if I put everyone in as employees of the corporation, I can pay my kids. Like I can pay my kids like $2,000 a month. I can pay my wife. And then everyone's making money before I even have to withdraw from taxes. And that was all allowed, but it's just a way for you to save on taxes. You know, they've now changed it where you have to be 18 and you have to show you're doing some work, but the whole like some work thing, like what's, what's that? Like if my 18 year old, like, copies some does some photocopying for me every week and that warrants like getting paid twenty five hundred dollars a month so that's where it's the whole the whole gray area so when you're like imagine you amplify that by like ten thousand to a company of etihad it's like what what are you doing that's like you know it's things like that where it's not against the rules but it's like questionable like you know does that warrant that so mm-hmm. i think it's always tough because you can follow the rules but especially when you're a club and you're in England, you're probably under the microscope a lot for, you know, what's what you're being looked at for. Um, My whole thing is, I think you have to separate the business from the results. I I don't think, you know, whether this was happening or not happening, I don't think it really changes Man City getting the results they did over nine years. You know, well, what have they, are there players that they wouldn't have been able to bring in if they did this? Like, maybe, but do all clubs do that? Like, probably. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to separate the business from the footy because I, I don't think this really would have impacted that at in any sense because I think, you know, maybe on some level all teams are doing it. Yeah, to an extent, yeah. You know what I mean? Because we, we always question, like, you know, with financial fair play, how are some teams doing what they're doing with signing players? So and- we don't we don't know what goes on in the background there, right? And that's the thing I was going to get into because Chelsea have obviously been accused of that this past year, yeah. spending upwards of 600 million US dollars. And it's not the most ideal like business ethics, but there are ways that you can kind of get around like certain systems. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's this, um, you know, there's, there's like this little trick that you can do, or there's like this number you can fudge, but it's actually not illegal to like, you know, misrepresent numbers and all that kind of stuff. And yeah taxes aside and whatever the case is that's why there's billionaires in the world that don't show billion dollar earnings yeah it's just because you know you have money elsewhere or you find loopholes and in just in chelsea's case in particular one way that they're avoiding financial fair play restrictions is that they're not just putting money forward like up front like they're mm-hmm. going to be paying in installments like over time like i believe you know the enzo fernandez deal that just happened um 106 million 106 million pounds going to benfica it's going to be over like a three-year period they, they pay these installments yeah. And I think 40 million of those pounds or 40 million of those dollars are going to River Plate in Argentina as part of like a deal that they had prior, like with Benfica and River Plate. Okay. So like, it's not all the money's being dumped at Benfica. It's not like they're just dropping like a check off for 106 million pounds and calling it a day. Yeah. And I think they've kind of worked around those regulations for these signings because if they were to just drop half a billion dollars, like you just, you can't do that. Like, yeah. like anyone in the world would say, okay, that's pretty unfair that you have this like huge influx of money and you can just drop this money on, on anybody. Going back to the main city case, it, it was happening over year, like year long periods mm-hmm. because like, I'd obviously don't know, but I feel like they didn't have like a massive transfer market every single year. Like they weren't spending yeah. like $400 million every single year from 2009 till 2018 or whatever it was. 
Yeah. It was like every year they get a player for, you know, 60 mil, which was that big at the time. You know, when they brought Rubinho in, when they brought in, you know, De Bruyne or Adebayor back in the day, Aguero, they bought them in for pretty, you know, big chunks of cash. Yeah. But it was relevant to the time. Yeah. And they were obviously like new money at the time as well. Like when the Etihad group came in. Yeah. So it was somewhat suspicious. And like I said before, like it translates into six Premier League titles in that nine year gap. Like you're going to get looked at a little yeah. suspiciously. But I mean, for their sake, hopefully they get it all sorted out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people now are looking at it saying, okay, well, if they do get found guilty, if there are penalties to be issued towards Man City, what are they going to be? Yeah. Like, can you retroactively, retroactively go back and take away earnings? Can you go take away titles that they would have won? that they have one um should they receive penalties now they're facing maybe our charges of like getting relegated or getting points deducted yeah. now like <laughs> I, to, to to just to like say okay you get a slap on the wrist like financial penalty that would mean nothing to these guys yeah unless it's in the upwards of like billions and billions of dollars yeah which i don't think the fa would do but it's just unfortunate because let's just say this current core i mean sheik mansoor has been here since the beginning i believe but everyone below him and like the Pep Guardiola's and his staff and his management and new scouts and whoever it is, they may not necessarily be involved in what happened during this time period. And for them to be the ones to be punished now would be yeah. somewhat unfair. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think I like, obviously I don't know what's going to happen. Um, Nobody does. They're, they're kind of yeah. waiting. Yeah. And I think it's, it's going to be, you know, obviously I don't see them getting like relegated or I, I don't even really maybe see like point deductions. I think it's going to be one of those things that happen behind the scenes and they just got to like deal with some like financial, financial implications. And that's really it. Yeah. Well, if the FA really wants to make it like a, like a lesson learned kind of thing or like, you know, like have other teams watch out, it's got to be a significant sum. Yeah. Because like for Man City to get fined, like a, 15 million dollar or 15 million pound fees like yeah right, like blow your nose and give it to them that's all it is really yeah yeah so we'll definitely we'll definitely see what happens but yeah again for me it's always about like separating the the footy from these types of things um you know because i think they would have got the players they wanted to get with Etihad had there or not i think their Etihad is probably just finding ways to optimize the money they are spending I don't like if they had to if they had to spend the money they wanted to in this time period they would have spent it. It's just they probably wanted to do it as optimally as they could. Right. And when you try and do that, you always start doing things that fall in that gray area. But obviously, you know, hopefully in their on their side, you know, we would hope that they're doing not doing anything illegal. You hope you're trying to do everything in that gray area that's still in the legal in the legal realm. Um, so you just hope that they're not doing anything like blatantly illegal. Cause obviously that's not cool, but yeah, <laughs> we, you know, we, that's why we just hope the clubs that we, that we watch in the EPL are doing everything in like as much integrity as they can, um, to optimize their clubs. Because if you, if you try, if you don't ever dabble in the gray area, it's going to be like very hard for you, right. You know, to, to run a club and be profitable and at the end of the day we want the clubs to stay in and not just go under in like a business sense yeah wise words from ricky bobby if you ain't cheating you ain't trying right something <laughs> well it's not cheating it's just like doing <laughs> well we'll doing, see like, i don't know man yeah i mean if they're if they're doesn't cheating, look good yeah it doesn't but, look good but like you know 
I would want the clubs in the EPL to do things legally, but still like optimize their finances so they have the best chance of being competitive. Yeah, like, let's get real. This isn't Huddersfield Town trying to like fudge six thousand dollars or something. It's like yeah. it's it's a lot of money that's that's yeah. being looked at here. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, and like another part of it too is like from what has coming out. Part of the charges is. They're just being difficult to deal with, I guess, the last couple of years that they've been doing this investigation. So they know they're being yeah. audited or investigated, whatever you want to look at it. So I think some of the other charges, like I said, there's 105 that are total against them. Yeah. Some might be more damaging than others. Um, but the ones like that are coming out now more recently, it's like impeding investigation or like not yeah. being cooperative during investigation, which again, like that's not. Yeah, unless like, unless like they're literally in the back room like burning files in a filing cabinet while the FA's knocking on the door, <laughs> then like maybe they can't really be docked for that. Yeah, but it's going to be more the financial stuff and just like their dealings and their books and you know the Mancini stuff with him getting paid offhand by somebody else, like a third party associate. That's yeah. the stuff that they're going to you know really take a look at. And yeah, who knows? Like I don't know what's going to happen. Like if Mancini could he be like barred from coaching? Like if he does this, like it's. Because he's not involved anymore. He's coaching the national team. He's coaching Italy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Who uh, who knows? It'll be interesting to see how it develops over the the next little bit. I just I just hope for everyone's sake it kind of gets dealt with quickly because the last thing you want is to have like, imagine a title race coming down to the wire, and at the end of May this isn't settled yet, and then they just decide that Man City's getting docked ten points and they lose. Yeah, and then it's like oh like. It was like never a title race. <laughs> yeah, no, like it, it would just really defeat like the the last remaining months of the season and like the excitement, right? That's that yeah. comes with it. So again, hopefully they get it solved. Whatever the case is, if they get dock points or they don't, if it's relegation, which like would be insane. Um, hopefully it just kind of gets dealt with quickly, mm-hmm. so everyone, so all parties can just move on. Because the last thing that Man City wants, like I said, right now is allegations to come out disrupt the flow of the team yeah you know they're coming off a tough weekend where they you know could have really um used the points and you know close that gap to arsenal they have champions league coming up in a few mm-hmm. weeks too big arsenal tie coming up again in a couple of weeks yeah in the, in the league so they just want to kind of say okay move on let's get out of here let's focus on what matters and that's like the actual game on the pitch not you know the stuff getting done behind closed doors on on paper books and all that kind of shit yeah no totally agree um but no, it's a it's a good point about the uh, the the city game um, dropping points to yeah. to Tottenham five points back now with a game and Arsenal having a game in hand. I mean, mm-hmm. for me now, it's turning into a thing where I think it's Arsenal's to lose. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they almost did it just now. I mean, against Everton, right? Yeah, and that's. You know, it's always interesting when the top two both drop points in the same weekend. Um, of course that happens, eh? Yeah, like, you know, you have, you have, it's your chance, you can take advantage and you just, you just don't, right? Um, but, you know, City's been struggling, you know, they've lost, I think they've lost their last five at, at, at Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they just like, they're just really always struggling against, against Tottenham. I don't know what it is. It's like Man City struggles against Tottenham and Crystal Palace. We know that for sure. <laughs> um so that's, that's Joe's favorite favorite stat. Yeah, yeah, that's his Joe's favorite tie. Um <laughs> Palace away. Yeah. Uh <laughs> and yeah, and then Arsenal dropping points to Everton, which is you know, huge win for Everton. Um, massive. Yeah, like the Sean Dyche era has begun at Everton. Yeah, still in the relegation zone, but you know, sitting at 18 points. Um 
Yeah, like I don't know what it is with City and Tottenham. It's just one of those things. But um, I think, again, until we see Man City Arsenal play, like I'm, I'm still going to be in the same boat as how I feel with the title race. Um, you know, it is getting to be a little bit of a gap, but um, we just never know what's going to happen, especially with that these teams got to play each other twice. Yeah, and like Arsenal playing that early game on on Saturday, I believe it was the early match. That's like, you know, let's get ahead of it. We're playing as Everton. Yes. They just made the, the, uh, the manager change, which again, always adds like a little boost. Yeah. To player morale for the new club. Yeah. And at Goodison park, it's always a rocking atmosphere. Yeah. So Arsenal maybe went in there, maybe a little scared, maybe a bit of a trap game for Arsenal. I don't know, mm-hmm. but like you, it's, that's, that's just the, the beauty of the EPL. It's like, you just can't ever count on any team to give the result and not get the result. And yeah. for Everton to come do that in front of the home crowd, play that way. I mean, Goodison Park was just like nuts. It was like the atmosphere was like mm-hmm. as if it was like a top two battle instead of where they actually were in the standings. <laughs> Polar opposites. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that, I mean, yeah, that, that was just crazy. And for, for for them to get that win, like a nice tight game too. Eh? Like it was just super close, super competitive yeah. the whole way through. Um, it was good for them. And Tarkovsky, you know, he's kind of been through the ranks a little bit coming up through, um, I think it was on Burnley. Was he on Burnley? Or West Ham or something? Uh, West Ham? I want to say, I forget. Tarkovsky. I want to say West Ham, but that could be wrong. Um, he, Burnley. Oh, it was Burnley. So it was the Sean Dyson oh. Burnley. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Burnley, I, knew it was, yeah. I knew it was one of those claret colors. <laughs> I know, like almost like purpley, like maroon. Yeah, it was West Ham Villa or Burnley were all in my head. Yeah. Uh, no, it was Burnley. So like Sean Dyche, obviously, you know, pretty familiar with him. For yeah. him to get the goal that like in the, of the first one of the Sean Dyche era that yeah. just sets them over the top like that is just that was you know poetic. Yeah. For for that to happen, and then yeah, fast forward to the game on Sunday between City and Tottenham. City's looking to jump on this, take advantage of it, and then boom, another one nothing loss. And I mean, De Bruyne didn't start this game, which I thought was kind of strange. I don't know if he mm-hmm. was like nursing an injury or something and trying to come back from one. Yeah, he just seems a bit off the last couple of weeks, like since the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's just like the World Cup hangover has like really hit him. But the city side in itself has somewhat just seemed a little bit different. And maybe it is in lieu of the allegations coming out. Maybe they knew ahead of time that something was going to drop, and maybe mm-hmm. you know it just kind of got the players rattled or the coaching staff rattled, and it's just. In in the world of any professional sport, obviously it's it's ideal to tune out distractions and just focus yeah. on the game. But in the world that we live in now, with the social media being as big as it, big as it is, and the personalities the players have, I mean them themselves are brands. So of course they're gonna like always be looking to promote themselves and get online and you know see what's like what buzz is happening around them. And for them to you know get exposed to certain things, see certain things happening out there in social media, whether it be these allegations or just like them getting talked about it's going to make a damaging effect on how you play with them. Any way you look at it, like you yeah. can avoid it until you're un, until you literally hit, like take your phone and throw it in the ocean. Yeah. It's still going to bother you. It's still going to affect you. So they just, yeah, they just seem, I don't know. I don't know if, if, if Pep has them playing strange, I don't know. Cause they are still getting wins, like three wins in the last five. Yes. But like, they're just not have, they haven't made the most convincing games from them, you know? Yeah. And, uh, me and Joe were talking about this. Like, I, I'm not sure why they went to a three, five, two, in this game against Tottenham where they had uh, um, 
We had Rodri and um, oh, the young kid. I I don't even I can't believe I don't remember his name. Um, right. Um, which one? The little little the eighteen year old. Um, he's playing right back. No, he's playing in the double pivot with uh, Rico Lewis. Jeez, Lewis. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I said I, I said, thinking about. I was thinking, I, I think Rico. I said Rice instead of Rico. Yeah, Rice. I was thinking uh, Alvarez was stuck in my head for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, I don't know what. Like him and him and Rodri were playing the double pivot. It wasn't really working. Like it felt like they had less options with both of them there. I think they, I don't know if they didn't know like where to be there. Um, and yeah, I I feel like they should have just stuck to their regular. Four three three that they mm-hmm. usually play and just stick to their game plan um, and not um, try and cater to what Tottenham do too much. Um, I don't know if they wanted to just have more more bodies there in front of the D to maybe prevent Son or Harry Kane from coming deep to pick up the ball and then like coming to attack them. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure why they deviated from that. I mean, Holland was not getting any service. You know, it's. For me, with the player he is, it's not one of those things about him, um, like necessarily like doing something. Like obviously, he has to perform, but he is the epitome of needing service. Um, but he'll do something with the service that you give him. Right. Um, he did like they just weren't able to like do anything and get anything in Tottenham's box, which you know was was discouraging for him. So, just not a great game. I think they couldn't really get into it uh, and Tottenham just really took full advantage. Um so tight game, one nothing, one nothing win. Uh but shout out to Harry Kane for being the top scorer for Tottenham ever at uh what was it? 467? Yeah. Two uh, two six seven. Two, two six seven four six seven. Can you imagine? It was four hundred uh, seven four hundred and seventeen appearances. Maybe you're thinking about that. Okay, yeah. No, I know there was something happening. Um but yeah that's wild. Yeah, there's a really cool video. Um I forget who the original poster was of it, but it was retweeted by like Barstool's football account, like Barstool Footy. And it was like a three minute um like montage of like Harry Kane kind of going from like his junior ranks through Tottenham and like yeah. his first ever introduction and everything. I think his first ever it might have been his first ever appearance for Tottenham it was like a it was in a five nil it was a, they were ruining five nil against somebody. It might have been FA Cup, might have been like league play. Mm-hmm. And he got brought on as a substitute. Wearing number like sixty-seven or something or sixty-three or something, <laughs> and uh, he got he got taken down in the box. I'm gonna spoil. I I'm gonna end butcher this because I forget if he scored or not. But he got taken down in the box, and they actually gave him the penalty to take. Mm. And I forget if he scored. I think he might have missed. I don't remember, but it was like his first ever appearance for Tottenham. Yeah, and he you know, was given that opportunity again. It was a five-nil, five-nothing at that score. Uh, score yeah. at that point. But I thought that was kind of funny. And then like trains, like you know. 14 years down the road that was like 2009 when that happened to what he's doing now it's just incredible yeah no it's 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 interesting because last year we were talking about like how he was underperforming how he was like yes gonna go to city and he just wasn't into it and you know maybe it was just that time where it was uncertain for him like he didn't know his future you know it's it's tough when you have all that stuff going in the background to really perform but to just kind of be like, all right, like he's staying at Tottenham and he just like turned, like even last season, like towards the end of last season, he just like turned it back on and he was like in it. Um, I think it just like goes to show, um, you know, the the professional and like the, the mentality he has where, you know, if he's going to like commit to a team, like he's going to deliver results. But 
you know, you hope to see that, you know, even at certain times you're delivering, but I think it's kind of inevitable where, you know, if you might be on your way out to like really give it your all, it might be tough. Yeah. And just for reference, uh, well, I just had where to go. Just for reference, Wayne Rooney scored yep. 253 goals for Manchester United in 559 appearances. And Kane just did 267 in 417. So like 140 wow. less appearances it took uh, Kane to score more goals than Rooney, actually. Yeah, it's wild. That's just in comparison from like our, our Premier League generation, I guess. Um, yeah, and I think that's... Yeah. The goals, the goal thing, while well, we say the goal thing might be different because like it's it's definitely turning into like a lot more team play, I guess, than maybe in the mm-hmm. past. But yeah, um, we are seeing that still kind of be demolished by Holland. Just <laughs> I know I can't wait to see like what actually happens. Like, like I don't even know. Like how many um, goals is this guy going to finish? He just like, you know, gets another hat trick and like scores two goals and like he just he just keeps putting him in. Well, the all-time Man City goal scorer is Sergio Aguero. He has 260 goals and 390 appearances. Yeah. So what's Holland at right now already? 30-something? Like close to 30? Yeah. like first... in, like In like 18 games? Yeah. Or whatever, 20-something in 18 games? Yeah. Sorry, we got the... <laughs> Uh-oh. What kind of appearance? You want to come see? <laughs> you want to come see? Yeah, that's me and that's that's Uncle Andrew. Bonjour, That's no. Andrew. You want to go and see Andrew? You want to see Andrew? <laughs> All right, you had a guest appearance, and so now we get one. Hey, hey Rocco. Rocco. Hi. Yeah, hi, Rocco. hi, buddy. Want to talk some soccer? Yeah, hi, Rocco. Hi. Hi. <laughs> He's loving it. Okay, go see him. Go see him. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see, how, we'll see what Helen can really do. Uh, like you said, though, like you touched on. He definitely is a guy who, like, if there if there is one slight against him, it's like his footwork and his like dribbling. I guess he's not very good. Yeah. So he it, he's not much of a chance creator on his own. He does need the support, but like you said, once he does get ball to feet around the eighteen, he's just clinical. Yeah. Well, not even not even ball to foot, like ball to head, ball to shoulder, you know, thigh, whatever. He just finds a way to score. Yeah. And and just going back to this Tottenham game, he was kind of on Lukaku Island. Just like not getting any service. Like mm-hmm. he was just like he's just hanging around. He was obviously making the run still. He's not gonna get yep. demotivated. He's gonna always try. Yeah. And that's what's like really, you know, passionate about him, even at a younger age that he is. He doesn't like give up on stuff. You know, he just tries to work harder. Mm-hmm. And to have that work ethic at this age is, is huge. And yeah, he just I mean, he can't do it all, right? He, he yeah. can't he can't be the sole 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 goal scorer. They've been goal scorers by committee the last couple of seasons since Aguero did leave. And I guess Holland maybe has taken some pressure off other players. Yeah. Which maybe isn't the most thing because then they get a little bit complacent maybe in their goal scoring abilities because we haven't seen really Gundawan put many a goal so goals away and he was a leading goal scorer a couple of years ago. Um Foden's been in and out of the side, same kind of thing from him as well. Mm-hmm. Ares has like kind of been alongside Aguero or alongside Haaland this year with the goal scoring, but it hasn't been like like I said, the committee of you know nine goals from this guy, eleven goals from this guy, ten goals from this guy. It's been like twenty something from Haaland, yeah, and then like three, two, two, three, yeah. So maybe yeah. they just collectively have to you know try and do something else, and they just can't force feed him all the time, right? Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Um, I think 
uh, it was just tough for them to even like create any chances. I think Tottenham did a really good job. Um, I, honestly, I think Man City's biggest outlet was Grealish on the left, but even yeah. uh, uh, they were they were shutting him down like pretty well there. Um, but that's where like any kind of threat was coming from. Uh, but yeah, so needless to say, like City kind of missed opportunity there, and they're still sitting five points back. Could be eight of Arsenal win their game in hand, uh, and they're just still trying to trying to claw back. Mm-hmm. I was I'm actually so usually I'm kind of the you know I'm not I'm not a hater of Jack Grealish, not not in this, in the slightest, but I always kind of look at him saying, okay, like he's not maybe as good as people think he is, or worth the price that he was worth when City picked him up. Yeah. From Aston Villa a couple years ago, but he did impress me this match. He he did good, and he's there just to he, yeah. he's very good at what he does. Yeah, like he's very good at what he's there to do, and that's to you know get in, get dirty a little bit, win a lot of fouls, draw a lot of fouls, and chance create. He's just not a goal scorer. Let's just face it. At, yeah. at Aston Villa, yes, he could get away with it a little bit more because he was getting more involved, like higher up the pitch. But with Man yeah. City, they just literally need him to get the ball, carry it up the field for twenty yards, and get fouled. Or if he gain if he doesn't get fouled, then just create a chance. They don't rely on him yeah. to score. Yeah. And for all the city fans that are giving him shit all the time for not putting the ball away, that's just not his job. That's not yeah. what he's there for. And and that's what's really been interesting because you know we've seen like players like Mares uh, go there, um, players like Cancelo, and we've seen players go there who who are good players. Um, they have like a little dip, but then they just like turn into player like Pep needs them to be to be. Yep. And then, like, like look at Mara's. Like, he's, like, how clutch is he for City? Like, so many times. He just really threatening on the wing. Uh, Concello turned into just revamped what an outside back does, really, for, for the game. Um, so, it's just interesting how <laughs> Papa Ka's in the background. <laughs> hey, he's all blurred out. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, how how interesting is it that you know, he Grealish has like a little dip in form and then he comes in and like, he starts playing better. And like, it's, it's interesting to see like the kind of player he's going to develop into mm-hmm. as he, uh, you know, if he keeps going in this direction, cause you know, Joe said it before where um, you have players coming in and Pep just kind of like, whether he like sees something in them at their old club, um, and then just develops them into like the player that he needs. And then they just turn into a really good player. So it'll be interesting if that kind of happens for Jack Grealish. Cause who knows, like next season, he could just be their guy where it's like, why is Jack Grealish getting like 30 assists a season? Like no one ever does that. So he, it'd be interesting to see if that kind of develops uh, over the next little bit. Yeah. And just for uh, any, any no, numbers and like stats nerds out there. Football reference, like soccer reference.com is it's fbref.com is a fun site to go to just to look at numbers and stats and everything. Mm-hmm. It's got every analytical breakdown from like everything you can think of. And I just looked at some stats after Grealish. He has 78 um, progressive carries, progressive carries, which means like just taking the ball um, at least to like, the player to the opposing team's goal line, like just, you know, making that run to the goal line to be able to, be able to cut back. He has 78 of those. The next highest person is Jao Cancelo at 71. And he's obviously gone now. Yeah. Um, carries in the final third. He's third on the team. Carries in the penalty area. He's first on the team with 32 carries in the penalty area. Um, 
Another one is take-ons. He has 53 take-ons, which is like trying to take a player on one-on-one. He's got 53 of those. And he only has it in like minimal playing time as well. Yeah. Like he's not, you know, playing like 90 minutes a game. He's not starting every single game either. So for him to be in the top four, top three, you know, there's other categories here on here. I'm not looking at, but there's other categories that he ranks in the top five for Man City. And he's not even getting the most playing time in his position. Yeah. So what he's good at doing, like I said, he's very good at doing. And that's mm-hmm. what he's getting paid for. And that's what Man City and Pep expects of him. And again, I'm sure over time it'll grow on him a little bit. Maybe he will get a little bit more clinical and more involved in the play. But he's just there to, like I said, be a chance creator, to take players on, to draw fouls. And he's, again, probably like one of the most fouled players in the Premier League. I know we've seen that stat. Yeah. Last time at Villa, when he was once playing 90 minutes, he was the most fouled player in the league. Yeah. Yeah, he he's he's good at drawing like defenders in like that. Um, you know, some people will say that you know he he dives and flops a lot, like which you know can't argue. Like maybe maybe he does. Yeah. Um, but you know if if you're contributing to the team, you know I'm I'm not the biggest fan of diving or 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 any of that sense. But his his ability to like carry the ball, take people on, and like get into the box is you know really really good um so i would like to see him maybe dive less if he is diving uh but still it's it's interesting to see how pep is kind of developing him into the player that man city need and not like the player that everyone kind of expected him to be yeah and that's good enough like honestly like yeah. you can't you can't have like yeah it looks good in the score sheet but you can't have everyone score you can't have 11 goals well let's say 10 you can't have 10 yeah. goals a game scored by every single player on the pitch it's just not how it goes yeah, you can't have someone like Holland getting hat tricks like every other game and then like oh. also expecting Grealish to like score. <laughs> you could actually. <laughs> That's actually very plausible. Yeah. Um no, and yeah, it's just it's just the way it is. Like it's and it I was gonna say if they were performing in a way, like I know I just said the last five games they seem a little bit strange since the World Cup break, but if they were having really bad runs of form and they were playing poorly and like they were losing matches, then it's more of a red flag than just them not winning convincingly, which is what mm-hmm. I just kind of said. So again, I don't want to like downplay them playing as a team because they're playing well still. Like I said, three wins out of the last five. Their only losses to were like the loss to uh, Tottenham that just came out and the loss to Manchester United, which was controversial at best. So those are the mm-hmm. last five games uh, where their two losses came from. Yeah. So like I said, if they were, you know, yeah, like you know, losing games four one, and it was very uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic by them. Then you can like maybe look at more player, you know, um, like players as, as like the cause of why it is. But yeah, it's just a little funk maybe, and they'll get mm-hmm. out of it. And I'm sure you know Pep is obviously going to try and do what he can to to make the team better. And again, it's as long as this stuff just kind of blows over and nothing yeah. huge comes out of it. Um, it, there's no doubt in my mind that they won't, you know, come back and, and be better. Yeah. Agreed. Going forward. Yeah. Um, let's just get it over with Chelsea and Fulham. Uh, this was like, this was super exciting. This is the most excited I've been, um, in a long time for this team because they finally had all their guys, you know, all their ducks in a row and they had all their players signed and in the starting lineup, Jao Felix, uh, I think this is his last game he's going to miss, um, for his suspension picked up a few games ago actually against yeah. Fulham. so when he comes back we'll really get to see the picture that grand potter wants to paint with these players mm-hmm. but we got to see enzo fernandez for the first time he played good if you want to see that again i talked about it real quick uh live reaction after the game 
That was on our shorts on our YouTube page. Check that out at Footy Fans. And he did, he did just again, kind of like Jack Grealish. He did just enough to like what he of what he had to do to like impress me. Like, yeah, I didn't expect him to go out his first game and like snipe one from forty yards out. Like, would that be sweet? Yeah. Would that be like the best introduction to a player of all time? Probably. Yeah. But he kind of slid into like that center defensive midfield role where either Kovacic or Jorginho could have played. And I think him and Jorginho are similar to an extent, but also like a little bit different where like Fernandez is younger. Uh, he probably has like, a little bit more strength than he has, than Jorginho has. He'll go into challenges a little bit harder. And I think he's just quicker on the ball too, like with his decision-making. Because yeah. there's a lot of times when he would receive the pass from either the left back or from the goalkeeper from Keppa. And Jorginho would kind of take it, look up the pitch, and like maybe take a couple touches here and there and then pass the ball off. Where with Fernandez, it was just like receive the ball, look up real quick, and like just dish it out. Yeah. Like he didn't really carry that much. And Jorginho never carried the ball like far, like far lengths of the field, but he would take it up a little bit like slowly, then dish it off. Yeah. Fernandez, it was like receive, play it off right away. Receive, switch the ball. Like, kind of distribute like this. And yeah. I think it's really going to help Chelsea going forward because they are such a quick pace based team. And if they can just execute those breakouts like a little bit faster, a fraction quicker, then it's just going to be better for the team like transitioning up forward because let's be, let's be real. This team's biggest issue is scoring goals. Yeah. And you know, they're not the team of before with Mourinho and Conte where they would possess the ball get around the 18, like dink the ball around a couple of times, kind of like what Man City does, but do it really, really well and score goals. They're not that team anymore. Yeah. Like that's just not how they're, they're designed. So I think their style of play now might be quicker with, you know, a counterattack, get Reese James up and forward. He was back playing this game. Ben Chilwell came in this game too, made an appearance, which is good. Good to see. But if they can use Fernandez as like a distributor from the back and get those balls out wide quick and then just begin a quicker counterattack and get, you know, Jao Felix involved when he gets there. Mason Mount involved, you know, get Havertz up there into the 18-yard box for a cross. Then I can see this team being really dynamic. But until that happens, until they have a game where all these things connect and they can beat a team 5-0, it's going to be really hard to, like, just keep them in the back of my mind. Like, oh, they're getting there. This is what they're trying to do. They're going to get yeah. there eventually. I just want to see, like, one game where it's, like, the stars aligned and, like, everything worked perfectly. Yeah. And these are things to expect going forward because it is so hard to tell a fan to just like be patient all the time and not see results. Yeah. But like, I don't want to see a, a, you know, a three, one win against wolves where it's like kind of sketchy. I want to see them beat wolves four nil, like convincingly. Yeah. You know and, what like, I mean? Comfortable, right? Yeah. And I just, yeah. I, I haven't had one comfortable win this entire season. Every win that I've seen Chelsea have this year, which have not been many have been like the grimiest of like gut wrenching wins. Sometimes I'm just like, can I just be comfortable? Can we just yeah. score three in the first like 25 minutes and like just sit back and relax a little? Can we just try and do that for one time? But it remains to be seen. But this new core coming in here, again, once they're fully healthy, and Golo Conte still trying to come back from injury as well. So when everyone's back and they can finally put whatever system Potter's trying to work, which I still don't know what it is, whenever they can just get that going for the first time officially and I see like a general positive like result going forward and then i can yeah. relax and be comfortable but until then i'll still be on pins and needles saying like is this team worth the money that was just spent yeah like, i know coming next year it's gonna that's when it's really gonna all hit together but that money spent now and it's still half the season left we've got to- almost 20 games to play yeah or less than 20 games now but we still have a lot of games to play so we still have time to build forward we still have time to see progression 
Yeah. But like, I don't want to see it week 36 of the season. Yeah. Like, let's, let's try and get there like, a little before that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. You know, they, they are obviously in like a, a pretty big rebuilding phase. Um, so it's, it's, you kind of, you kind of hit it on the head there where it's, it's tough to always say like, oh, you just got to be patient and wait because it's been like a lot of that. Um, we thought, um, maybe last year there was going to be a chance where, you know, they were super solid, uh, going to compete for the title, but they, they just fell off a little bit. Oh, they fell off a lot. Um, yeah, they did. Uh, so yeah, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things where they try something, they get to a place and then they kind of rebuild because it, it wasn't working. So you hope that there's a foundation that's at least being built with each one of these where you get to a point where it's like, yeah, like we're solid. So, um, you hope it's one of those things. Maybe it's like two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. You hope you're just at least making some little progress. Yeah. Uh, and then hopefully you get to a place where you're just, you know, consistently competing for titles. And you said it right with Pep. He gets players that fit his system, and then he can also mold yeah. to exactly what he wants. And who knows? Like the players like Mudrik that they signed, Jao Felix that they signed, um, Maduke, another guy from France that they signed in there. Um, you know, Fofana being a striker, Badia Shill on defense. Like they got so many new names that like sound good on paper to get because obviously, like one, their value that Chelsea spent on them. Which value obviously does not always translate to performance. Yeah. Because like everyone now, everyone's wage and market value is like inflated. Yeah. So like you're spending 40 million on a defender that no one heard about. That's just the going rate for a defender nowadays, it seems yeah. like. But hopefully once these players get here and they do spend time with, with Potter and his coaching staff, he can kind of do what Pep wants. Well, he can kind of do what Pep does with his players and like mold them to what he actually needs from them. Yeah, not just they like, say go play defense and like that's all you got to do. Play defense the way the Grand Potter wants to play defense. Yeah, and I don't. I, I still again I don't know what that is like I can't put Potter and like Pep in the same conversation because they're one's got titles and accolades and the other yeah. the Grand Potter. So like I don't know like if all my if all my eggs in one basket with Grand Potter and like what he can do, but you know. People were saying his job could possibly be on the line if he doesn't secure Champions League with this new influx of money and players. Tough. I don't know if that's the case. He's, yeah. you know, how do you get there, you know, after six matches? Mm-hmm. And yes, you had an you had a huge spending spree in the January transfer window, but like we know from like our own playing days, like it takes a long time to build chemistry. Yeah. Exactly. Like it it could take an entire year, it could take an entire off season, it can take, you know, a couple of weeks if if it goes perfect. But like you can't just like have a let a manager have that short of a leash. Yeah. And it looks bad on the club too. If you allow him to spend all this money and then let him go. Yeah. Like that like, just looks I, terrible. Cause then like whoever's who what's the end of the next guy that you bring in wants these players. Yeah. And then what you're gonna have him sell them off for like half the profit, and then you're just gonna lose three hundred million? Like, no, you won't do that. Yeah. And and yeah, I think that's what makes it tough where um you have to give like some leeway to the manager, right? You can't, you can't like bring in all these players and be like, Oh yeah. Like now you have to perform. Like you have to give them time. Um, especially when you make all these changes, otherwise you you have like unrealistic expectations. So, um, hopefully they, he actually gets the time he needs to build a team the way he wants. So we can actually see like if he's the right guy for the job. Kind of hope so. Again, yeah. like I know I'm the one that said that like, fans are impatient and everything and i think i am a patient fan i just want to see 
again, like you said, some progress. I just want to see some little one step forward kind of stuff. I don't need them yeah. to take leaps and jumps forward. I don't expect them to win out the rest of the season and put teams away like crazy. That's not going to happen. That yeah. wouldn't even happen to, you know, for the Arsenal or the Man Cities who are established really good clubs right now. Like, I doubt either side is going to win out the rest of the year. They got to play each other twice. Yeah. For Pete's sake. So, like, I understand that's not going to happen, but I do want to see, like, us go away to, you know, Leeds who just fired their manager and, like, win convincingly. Yeah. Or, you yeah. know, I'll, like, have, have just, like, Palace, see that progress. Yeah. Have Palace come to, come to Stanford Bridge and win 3 0. You know, reestablish yeah. like Stanford Bridge as like a fortress. So as what it used to be yeah. in the past. They had like almost full seasons or like almost two years in a row where they went unbeaten at Stanford Bridge. Yeah. You know, like thirty wins and like eight losses or whatever in a season. Yeah. Or in two years two years or something like that. So get back to those days. Like just get back to being complacent and like just confident in yourself and give me confidence in them. Yeah. Because I give heart attacks when I watch this team play. Yeah, because you just like don't know what's gonna happen, right? <laughs> They're like the, they're they're such a tenth place team right now. It's not even funny. Yeah, they're just they, they in Like they could just they're oh they're a plus one goal differential. They're in tenth. They have like the same amount of ties as they do or the same amount of losses they do wins. I think like yeah, this is very much a tenth place team. Yeah, eight they're eight, eight six eight six eight, and seven. eight six and seven tenth place plus ninth one place. ninth. Liverpool. Oh, they are they are ninth. Yeah, Liverpool. We had a good transition to Liverpool. <laughs> have we even talked about them this year? Liverpool. Yeah. Have we? Like, they're have just they like very tense. Anyone's radar? They, you know, they just come off the three and they lost to Wolves. Um, Joe showed me a tweet where, uh, um, oh, um, Klopp said how he doesn't count Wolves' third goal because it was the first time they crossed half. It was the only time they crossed half that half. So then uh, Wolves came out with a tweet with a picture that had three nothing, but they had the three uh like crossed out with two nothing wolves. <laughs> um so like you know, shoot you yourself still... in the foot with that one. Yeah, so yeah, Liverpool obviously underperforming. Um don't really know what needs to happen there uh with the club. Uh wouldn't have thought that I don't think it this just has to do with money. Obviously, I think there's a lot of factors that go into it, but yeah, they just, you know, it's probably just a season they got to take on the chin and move forward for the next season. Yeah, there was, um, I'm going to post it right now in, in the group, Oops. in the chat here. Oh, I can't move the picture, apparently. There's a picture I found on, on Instagram. Um, it was posted by Transfer Market, which is like one of my favorite, my favorite people to follow now, the Transfer Market official um, mm-hmm. Instagram account. Um, I forget the guy's first name, but Feis, F-A-E-S, the defender for um, Leicester. Yeah. He has more Premier League goals for Liverpool since the World Cup than their actual players. Like, he scored two own goals oh. against Liverpool for, Man- yeah. for Leicester City. And the only guys that have scored for Liverpool since then are Van Dijk, uh, Bajatic, Cham- uh, Oxley Chamberlain, and Salah. So, like, he actually hmm. has, like, more goals, like, for Liverpool, counting as goals, than Liverpool actual players. And there were two own goals. Jeez. Um, yeah. So they're having issues right now. <laughs> yeah. It's the reality of their season right now. So hopefully they can turn it around. And like for as much flack that Chelsea is getting from everybody, it seems like Liverpool is just like sneakily intent. Like no yeah. one's really saying much about them. And, you know, people, I, I have seen some outlets and some, you know, uh, people on Twitter saying like, should Klopp be fired now? Should he be done? Should he resign? And all that stuff. Like has he overstayed his welcome? Which, I mean, that's always going to come up when a manager has been there for the period of time that Klopp's been there now. 
but this is really their first season, like seeking or first season seeing adversity, like since he's been there. Maybe since like his yeah. first year there, because I don't think he did so hot his first year there, as we've seen before with Pep going to Man City his first year too. He didn't, didn't, yeah, do, he didn't, do, didn't great. do very well. Yeah, so it's kind of it's a learning curve, right? Even mm-hmm. for managers in adopting to the English game, but then we clearly saw that Pep and Klopp can turn that around in just a few years. Yeah. So I feel like for Liverpool, you have to give the manager again a little bit of benefit of the doubt. He obviously has a lot longer leash than a person like Graham Potter would have just because he has been there for so long and he has pedigree and he has accolades for the club. Yeah. But the, all that being said, it's like if you're losing the locker room, that's an issue. Yeah. Like Agreed. Again, I don't know what's happening internally at Liverpool, but if you're losing the locker room and, and like the guys aren't, don't, aren't as passionate to play for you or whatever the case is, um, your tax taxes are getting kind of stale and, you know, the performances from the players aren't, you know, they're getting subpar performances and everything. And then that does fall on Andrew a lot. I just keep thinking back. It's, this is all comes back to Sadio Mane. Honestly, man. Yeah. I know like that's, been, that's been like my cop out. Basically every time Liverpool gets brought up on the podcast, I say the, the loss of Sadio Mane is really hurting this team. And I just can't say it anymore. I think it's just super true. Mm-hmm. Like they try and replace it with with Diaz and with like Darwin Nunez and like those just aren't up to up to yeah. par. Yeah, yeah, they're not on his. They're not even on his level. Yeah, and yeah, it goes to show like you know a well oiled machine. Like every part has a part to play. Um, so you know you you take Monteil, give him Byron, and it's just like they have to figure out how to fix that again. Yeah, and that's again that goes on the manager, goes on the staff, it goes on everybody, and. It's it's the same with any you know in any sport you kind of as the head coach you're more than just the head coach or the manager like you're in charge of like an entire core of people behind you yeah so it's like if Klopp was to get removed or whatever then like you're going from the top down of all the Klopp's like people like they're out yeah like, you got to basically start from scratch and they like, bring in a whole new team which I mean I don't think yeah. it's gonna happen this point in the season like I don't think you would let you know let Klopp go like, you, like being a club like Liverpool yeah they're 10th place but they're only a few short wins away from being kind of up back in that fight again yeah and I'm, I honestly can say that I'm more confident in Liverpool I wouldn't say if you could if I had to pick between Liverpool and Chelsea to make Champions League I guess I'd pick Liverpool maybe not Champions League but make Europe or something yeah like I think yeah. that I think I think at the end of the season Liverpool will finish higher than Chelsea is what I'm trying to say yeah by, by season's end um, whether whether that be seventh and sixth, fifth and sixth, I don't know. Yeah, but I just think that the experience that you know Klopp has a, has as a manager, the youth on Chelsea is like another thing too. The, like Chelsea's a young team now. Yeah, like take Thiago Silva, I guess, and like and uh, Kovacic aside, maybe Ngolo Conte too. Yeah, everyone else there is like sub twenty five years old. Like they're getting on that yeah. Arsenal scale of like young young talent that has to be molded. Yeah, but Liverpool being who they are. Yes, they have aging players like Salah's getting like old in footy standards, same yeah. with Van Dyke and those guys. Yeah. But they're they're just like experience and their leadership roles like just kind of trump that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I and, and obviously Klopp and, and like being there too and like just knowing how to win. I think we've said before in previous episodes, like just knowing how to win games and like yeah. how to win titles is like an intangible that you just can't teach unless you actually do it yourself. Yeah. So I think Liverpool has it in them to come back, claw back, get some dirty wins, and maybe finish higher up than what they are now. 
but I don't know about Chelsea. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. Like that's gonna be that's a whole experiment, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely have to wait and see on that one. Um, Manchester United beat Crystal Palace two one on Saturday. Yep. And yep, they had a match today against Leeds. I said, is that what it was? Yeah, Leeds drew two two. Yeah, Leeds uh, uh, firing their manager, firing um, Jesse Marsh, the yeah. American. Um, tough, tough for Leeds. Yeah. Um, definitely tough. He was only he was only there for a couple years, eh? Because they had Bielsa there. Yeah, I believe. And then uh, Marsh came in and replaced him. Yeah. I don't know who's there now. Who's there now? Did they bring somebody in, like somebody big? I don't know. Mm. It might just be one of those caretaker kind of things yeah. now until they find somebody. So maybe it's just another coaching staff member. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're definitely hunting right now. They're trying to get some people, but mm-hmm. nobody have like huge, huge names. Um, we're gonna go to Leeds. Let's just let's just be honest. Let's see what it is. A big signing would be. I imagine they just come in and get like Steven Gerrard or something, or get Lampard to come. Yeah, in. yeah, that'd be those guys, huge. Those guys are unemployed right now too. Yeah, which I I don't put it like totally passive. Oh no, they could again. It's yeah. like it's just it's such a hard spot to be in because it's like you need to like come in and just perform like right away. Like you just yeah. <laughs> Like you just can't lose, basically. Um, yeah, they draw uh, draw two two against Manchester United today. Uh, Yanto, the young Italian, scored in the first minute for Leeds. Yep. And then an own goal by Rafael Varane saw Leeds up two 0 at one point. And then Rashford just seems to be the most informed striker right now yeah. in the Premier League. He just can't stop scoring. And then shout out, you know, surprise story of the year: Jane Sancho finally getting some playing time and getting a tying <laughs> goal in the seventieth minute. Where's this guy? Yeah. Yeah, um, no, it's it's one of those games, you know, I think men, men, you have to be like realistic, you know, you're not going to go in and you're not going to win every game necessarily, right. um, you know, or at least, you know, you're going to find yourself behind in games, uh, I should say that um, for them to come back and get the draw, um, I think is really big. Um, you know, I think they'll take a lot of positives from it. Obviously, you, you always want the win, but um it does show a lot of character when you go down two nil and then you come back and get a get a result i think it really helps it gives your team belief going forward so um i think they i think they'll see this as like a, a decent result um you know they're sitting sitting in third right now two points behind city city still have a game to play um newcastle's right behind them with 40 uh they still have to play so it's Getting pretty tight there at the top, um, especially between second and fourth with, you know, City dropping points. Um, But, you know, if Man U can overtake City, like, that'll be huge. I don't think they've been above City in any, like, significant capacity for a very long time. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, for as long as we knew, Manchester is always red. You know, that's, that's just the way it was. And until... Going back to the beginning of the conversation here, until you know the new Etihad group came into Manchester City, it was it was Man U's city to lose, basically, right? Like they just had to keep doing what they've been yeah. doing for the past 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it was. Um, but obviously, with just mismanagement, mis signing of players, um, coaching carousel at Manchester United since you know Sir Alex Ferguson left, it kind of had a black eye a little bit on the United mm-hmm. team and. I feel like they finally, finally have 
an established manager. Yeah. And we had they have a manager who is not going to take any crap from anybody, which Mourinho was the same kind of person, but he was that like times infinity mm-hmm. because he was not he won't take any crap from anybody, but he also like thought he was like the biggest person in the room. Yeah, but you can't have that as a manager. Yes, ego is like one thing a manager must always kind of have because you have to be like you have to show yourself as a, as like a as a presence, right? You have to be. Mm. You know, you have to show and establish that you're the man in charge. Marino did that in like the most offensive way he possibly could, wherever he went. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Whether he did it in Portugal, in Italy, in Spain, England, it didn't, everywhere he was, he was like the loudest man in the room. And I feel like Ten Hag is kind of like a silent leader like that. Like he can kind of be, you know, he can be quiet and humble at times, but if he has to show passion and be fiery, he'll do it. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know what, obviously what happened in, um, in like the boardroom or wherever it was, like when he made his pitch to be manager for Manchester United. But if I was him and what I think he might've done was say, like, I need to control this team. Mm-hmm. Like I, it can't be anybody else telling me what to do. It can't be anybody from, you know, management or from ownership saying like, get this player, do this with this player, like have anybody over his shoulder. I feel like he had to go in that room and say like, if you want me to be here and clean this mess that's happened the last five, six seasons, I need to do it my way. Yeah. And I find I think they finally said, okay, you go ahead, you do it. Here's your money, here's your budget, like here's your, you know, take whatever you have to do and just go ahead and do it. And I feel like this rebuild rebuild for Manchester United has happened a lot quicker than a lot of people thought. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like, like surprisingly. Yeah, it's like it's like really kicked into gear here, you know, sitting sitting third. Um that's it's really really good to see. I mean, I think it's like we said, it's always nice to see the top teams like actually performing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we get Chelsea and Liverpool performing, and we'll have we'll have like this whatever it is seven team seven, like yeah. competitiveness with Newcastle being there, Tottenham. Like it's it'll make the league more exciting. But I just want it to be. I don't want it to like have those teams like tie each other all the time, though. You know what I mean? I don't want it to be like so tight at yeah. the top where it's like tie, 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 win, tie, tie. Because like look at it, if you have like a seven team a seven yeah, seven teams in the Premier League that are like elite, there's thirteen other teams that they have to play, but it's like they're gonna play each other a lot. Like me, like Arsenal versus mm-hmm. Newcastle would be like a huge game now. Where like two years ago yeah. that game was a pile of shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just it's so like every well it's good it's good for the fan base, I guess, because every two, three weeks we're gonna see, you know, a top seven matchup, I guess. Yeah. Um, just the way that the table is gonna work out. But like, then they're just gonna beat each other up, and then the yeah, it's gonna be an unpredictable, you know, finish, I guess. Yeah. Um, which uh, I, I guess I guess I'm not opposed of. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think we'll have to see uh, how how things progress. Um, but you know, very very good for Manu to have this rebuild go so quick. Yeah, it's been it's been wild to be honest. Yeah. Like it's, and I, again, I think it just comes down to like look look, look at what Tenag has done since he's been there. He established that he doesn't need Ronaldo on the team, and Ronaldo doesn't have to, doesn't want to be there either. So that kind of worked yeah. out for both both sides. Um, the Sancho signing was clearly pursued by ownership. It seemed like yeah. to bring in just a big name. Same with the Ronaldo stuff, and those two players have been on like an island for the, this entire year. Ronaldo yeah. obviously leaving in January, and Sancho was on like sabbatical or something, or he was like. He, I think he was literally sent away to go somewhere for like a month. Yeah. And like, I forget where it was. I read it somewhere. He went to, 
He went. He went. I think he went to Portugal or to like Spain or something. Just to like literally go on like vacation for like a month, and like oh. just like find himself. Yeah, it was kind. Of, it was kind of deep. I I gotta find the the article. I mean, we'll post it on on social somewhere if I find it. But he just like kind of like Tenex said, "Hey, you need to go like just rediscover yourself," kind of thing. I don't know what he did yeah. on this like little little like I said sabbatical that he took, but he came back. I think he came on as a substitute a couple of games ago. Um, it might have been in the FA Cup match against, or not FA Cup, the um, the League Cup match against Nottingham Forest. Yeah, I think he might have came on as a substitute there or something. But then for him to come into this game, um, did he get the start of the game? I don't even know actually. Um, check the lineup real quick. Oh, come on, internet. He came on as a substitute in this match. Yeah. So for him to come, come on as a sub at whatever point of the game he came in at and to get the uh, Italian goal in 70th minute. I mean, I didn't see the highest or anything of this, but like he probably celebrated like he just scored the game winning goal for England. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got, if probably. I was him, I would do the same thing. Yeah. Um, so that's good to see. I mean, yeah. obviously you don't want it, uh, you know, whatever it is, mental health or fatigue or something, whatever it is like, yeah, obviously we don't want to see that. And it is, it is a prevalent thing in life. And for him to kind of sort his shit out and get back there, at a positive high playing level that's that's huge for him yeah. and for no. the club too because he's a good player he's, he's a yeah. good player no it's like really good just, for him yeah he just, when you come in for that price tag like and you expect to get performance like right away it's like okay chill like yeah no know, take, take a step back yeah no it's really good to see so glad glad he can come in and start uh performing and like you know get get uh some momentum yeah ho- hopefully help the key the team carry forward because martial is kind of like hit or miss at times like i said rasher's like the most informed striker i think right now yep in the premier league but then those other wing sides like whether it be garnacho now or somebody else it's up for it's up for fighting it's up to yeah. you know uh anthony's there too um it's, it, there's definitely like a lot of team competition for those positions mm-hmm. so say if sancho wants to get involved and get in there and like show what he's worth this is what a like what a good way to do it by getting you know the tying goal and uh and a game that seemed gone for a United standpoint, right? Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, look at the bottom of the table. Like we said, Everton huge win against Arsenal. Yeah. Uh keeps them in eighteenth place, but only, you know, one point out of relegation now. If they get another win coming their way, they jump into fourteenth. So that's very, very tight, obviously down there, the bottom yeah. of the table. Uh, Bournemouth still in nineteenth and Southampton still in twentieth. I honestly forgot Southampton was even in the league still. Yeah. Um Definitely know, 14 for them. 14 losses, only 17 goals for. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I don't really see them um, salvaging this season. And it sucks no. too, because even if they did come back a little bit, it's like three teams still got to go down. Like, yeah. They could have it's a true. bit of a resurgence, but like if if they, if they you already shoot yourself in the foot this point in this season, like it's really hard to climb out of that, right? Yeah. No, I totally agree. So hopefully they can you know, find some saving grace in this. Cause it, you know, like you said, someone's got to get relegated. Three people got to get relegated. So yeah, uh, it's going to be a battle. And like, obviously if they, they don't like, they shouldn't go down without a fight kind of thing too. Right. Yeah. If they have, they played um, 21 matches. So they got what, 17 games left in the yeah. season. So like out of those 17 games, like don't just fall over and die. Like yeah, still, agreed. still play hard. Right. And try to get a couple more wins out of that. Even if you are going to go down still, yeah, do it for for themselves, and I'm sure no team's going to do that. Yeah, we talked about it actually last episode about relegation and like how other 
you know, leagues in the world want to kind of pursue it. Yeah. There's no benefit of getting last in England. Like in, no. in <laughs> hockey, you get last, you get the first overall pick in the next draft. Yeah. Same with football and all that kind of stuff. You're last in England, you're getting the fuck out. <laughs> like, yeah. You're just gone. Exactly. You're out of here. Um, so yeah, so let's take, oh, talk, want to talk to Rexham real quick? Oh, yeah. Talk about Rexham. Oh. Did you watch the game? Uh, the FA Cup match. The replay, I, was yes, the replay was yesterday. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, oh, man. they lost. Yeah. Mm. Game oh. was at, the game was at Sheffield United. Um, Sheffield took a one nothing lead in like the 60th minute or so. Yeah. And then Paul Mullen comes back, ties the game on a PK. And then in like the 80th minute or something, they got another PK and he missed. The goalie saved it. So they're tied 1-1, and look, it was going to extra time. 91st minute, Sheffield United score a goal. And then, like, 96, they score, like, a yeah. like another one to just kind of seal the deal. So they end up winning 3-1. Uh, it was a game, though, man. I turned it yeah, on I the second imagine. half. I was working. Yeah. Uh, I missed the first half. turned it on. It was still nil-nil, actually, when I turned it on. So I think it was just after halftime. Yeah. And then within a couple minutes, Sheffield scored. And I was like, okay, here we go. Like, this game just needed a goal, right? Yeah. And then from that point on, it was just like the most FA Cup match you've ever seen in your entire life. There was like no defense. It was like counterattack after counterattack. It was really exciting. Yeah. Um, like, you know, like mostly if, it, if it's like a really, really tight game and it's like 1-1, both teams are very like complacent and they don't really try and go very hard. Yeah. This game was 1-1 and it was like, doo, doo. it was like a ping pong yeah, match. Just back, like back like, and like and your forth. head's going like this, like like you're watching ping pong or like you're at yeah. Wimbledon or something. Um. It was it was crazy. It was a good game to watch, and obviously didn't go Rexham's way. Um, so their FA Cup Cinderella story run comes to an end in the fourth round, fifth round. I always forget. Not sure what round. Ciao, mama. Fourth round. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, it, it, do you know what would have? So they already did the draw too for the fifth round. Tottenham. It would have been Tottenham. Can you imagine? I think, I, is that home and away at that point too? I don't know. At some point, that would have been so cool. Can you imagine? Yeah, at some point it goes. It it changes from, um, single like relegation. Not relegation, yeah, single single elimination. So like right now, it's, right now it's single game elimination unless you draw. Yeah, and then you play the return leg away. At some point, it switches to home and away. Oh, okay. And they actually have like aggregate involved. I think. Yeah. But I don't know if the next match would have been, yeah, at Tottenham or at home. I don't know. Yeah. But imagine like yeah, imagine welcoming welcoming Harry Kane to the to the race course. Yeah, imagine, that'd be so cool. <laughs> like oh. Harry Kane's playing for like nine thousand people. He hasn't done this since he was like twelve. Yeah. That'd have been sweet. Yeah. No, for um, sure. <laughs> but I mean, the the big like obviously again like that's huge, and uh, I think they will get some sort of money. For making this stage of the of the tournament, but in Wrexham's eyes, they were big pri- money on the prize thing, except for promotion. Yeah, for like, sure, that's like the main goal for them, right? Yeah, like a, a an FA Cup quarterfinal matchup would be like legendary; it'd be huge. Yeah, but if they if they go ahead and like hurt those chances of promotion by getting so far in the FA Cup and like putting all their eggs in that basket, yeah, then might not like be best. it's not worth it, right? Yeah, that's true. And at one point, it was actually it was still one one. It might have been like the eighty fifth minute or something. Paul Mullen actually got hurt, 
or he he picked up an injury and he was trying to like convince the uh the manager there to stay on the pitch and like he like he kept saying like I'm good I'm good I'm good and the manager's like no like you're coming off and yeah. I'm like it's 85th minute and taking off Paul Mullen yeah at game at games one one and I think uh, Phil Parkinson that's the manager I think his mind was like set on like we need you for the yeah season, you need man. you need to for the league right yeah like, like there's no key. sense in you going balls out for the last 10 15 20 minutes possibly and like costing you playing the next 15 games of the season for some reason yeah. So sure. I think his eye on the prize is like a lot bigger, um, you know, looking for the season instead of the yeah. cup match, which again, that's the signs of a good manager, right? Kind of yeah. um, prioritizing your, your assets and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I totally like, agree. Mullen's just like, I got, I got to play this game. Like, I, like we're going to win. Like I got to yeah. play. Like, what, do you, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, he was, he was obviously pissed and they ended up losing. So it's kind of like, <laughs> like, yeah, we need him for the season. We lost this game anyway. Doesn't look very good. Yeah. Um, all right, your weekend schedule for the Premier League looks like Chelsea West Ham, the early game on Saturday. Uh, early game Saturday morning, 7 30. Again, another tie. We'll see Chelsea try and put their best foot forward, best team forward. Um, to be at London Stadium, um, West Ham being the home team. So we'll see what Grand Potter can do there and see if he gets a, a strong starting lineup. Um, Leicester and Tottenham also on Saturday. Fulham, Nottingham Forest, Arsenal, Brentford, Crystal Palace, and Brighton, Southampton, Wolves, Bournemouth, Newcastle. And on Sunday, a rematch of this game, I guess, uh, Leeds and Man U on Sunday morning, Man City, <laughs> Aston Villa, and the Merseyside Derby. Merseyside Derby. Liverpool and Everton again. Like, imagine Everton can just go back to back, like, beat Arsenal, beat Liverpool. Get a, get a streak going again. Sean Dyche, that crazy bastard with that, you know, that raspy voice that he has, probably got the yeah. boys going. <laughs> um, game's gonna be at Anfield, I believe, though. Uh, yeah, it's at Anfield, so that's gonna yeah, be tough. Yeah. But if there's Indeed. ever a, if there's ever a season that Everton can do it, maybe it's this one. Liverpool having that downside, you know, them getting the new manager, get that little spike up there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't Let's know. See. Yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah. So. Should be interesting. Uh, should be an interesting week of results. And then, so that was that's Sunday, and then coming on Wednesday is a Man City Arsenal. Man City Arsenal. That's the replay, I believe, at Emirates. Yep. And that's the same week that Champions League comes on too. Yes. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think Chelsea plays that day against Dortmund, and City and Arsenal play in the league. Okay. So like, take your pick on that afternoon what you want to watch. Yeah. That's gonna be a double TV for me on that one. Yeah, for, uh, for sure. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, all right. That's all. That's it. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening, everyone for watching. This will be up on YouTube. Uh, get us on Instagram, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that jazz. We will be back next week, hopefully, with Joe. Hopefully. Um, maybe in person this time. And we will chat next week after all the week's action. Yeah, everyone. Ciao.